Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name's Ryan. My name's Brent. And this episode, we're discussing SST68, the Minutemen album ballot result. And we've discussed this one a few episodes uh, before. Like, we've had several Minutemen episodes, and this one has come up a number of times. It's a bit bittersweet, of course, because it came out after D. Boone tragically passed away. But it's still kind of, it's a good reminder of the Minutemen, you know. It's it's good to kind of go back down memory lane. And I, I'm not a huge fan of live albums. We've discussed this before. But, you know, there's there's some actual sections of this record, live recordings, that are pretty pretty wicked. I love live albums. And if it's a band I love, I will buy every live album. I just bought the new, well, it's not new, it's an old recording, but the Stones are going through their vault. They have these From the Vault releases. I just, I buy them all. I just bought one from the Voodoo Lounge Tour. It's the Stones, you know? But I buy them all. The thing about live albums for me is I like to know they're live, and some famously are not, <laughs> especially a lot of the ones from the 70s are not live. They're just all... Crowd noise. Well, yeah. They're, a lot of the stuff was retouched in the studio. This one is for sure live. The stuff that is live, to me, this is more of a... I mean, we'll get to this in History Lesson Part 1, but the original tension intention was to make this a live album i'm assuming recorded like in one night or whatever this is more of an odds and sods thing for me it's not i don't really consider it a live album because to me a live album is one show for the most part you know what i mean yeah i totally understand what you're what you're saying but i mean you know 75 percent of it is is live live tracks that yeah. they've taken from different shows, different appearances. So definitely, is a live no, al- definitely no studio trickery on this one after no. the fact. No, 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 not for the live stuff anyways. Yeah. 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 I've, we've, we've talked about this before. I'm not the hugest fan of live albums, but I do end up for a band that I like. I end up getting them and I listen to them and I go, Hmm, that was Okay. And there's very, very few. It's a very short list of live albums that are repeat listens for me, like regular repeat listens for me anyways. Yeah. Anyways, Brent, do you want to hit me with uh, some spiels before we get into history lesson part one? Well, you know, I didn't have any pre-planned for tonight, but right before we hooked up tonight to, to record, I was scrolling through Facebook and our friend of the pod, Michael T. Fournier, had a post on there about how he was bummed out that Maximum Rock and Roll is ceasing its print edition. And I, I had comment, commented to him, I think he maybe thought I was joking. I said, I, I'll be honest, I thought this I thought this happened, I thought they made this announcement a couple years ago already. As I said to him in the comment, I stopped reading it years ago. The last time I bought it religiously, like George Tabb and Ben Weasel and Reverend Norb and Michael Board and all those dudes were were contributors and that's generally why I bought it was for the you know the columns so that's how long ago it's been since I bought it so I haven't really kept up with it at all I haven't bought it in years I don't know what it's like now what kind of things they cover yeah I probably haven't bought an actual print copy since around the same time as you and I was kind of the same as you I liked those columns I really liked the uh, the reviews section and also 
I mean, I don't even know if they even still do it, but there was like the classifieds section in the back for tape trading back in the day. I used yeah. to like it for that. Yeah. I mean, reviews for me, I buy a ton of these music magazines, like, and that's the first thing I flip to, you know, hmm. read it, read it back to front every time. So for sure, the reviews. Yeah. Got to find out what the latest new awesome live album is out there to buy that's right (laughs) (laughs) that's my spiel what do you have i only have one i think um actually you know what maybe i've got maybe i've got a second one hang on but let me let me start with my first one um i just finished reading that uh faith no more book called small victories the true story of faith no more right yeah you mentioned that one before yeah, by Adrian Hart. It took me a while to get through it just because of holidays and stuff like that. Anyways, that was good, but I started Ryan, reading. Is it is it a, a oral biography or whatever they call them? No, no. It's a it's a narrative, but it seems authorized. Okay. Like there's, I think the band participate. The band was pumping it on their website and stuff like that. So okay. Yeah, there's been a couple of I guess unauthorized biographies about faith no more there's even one about mike Patton. oh and i've and uh i'm not sure i think they're all basically just compilations of publicly available articles more more than anything right this was good though it did kind of what i expected though it really focused on the real thing and angel dust era and then of course the chuck mosley stuff before that and then for the remaining three albums it just burned right through them there's not much discussion of those three but it was still good i'm still a fan and in fact um that is one of the live albums that i still really like is that first faith no more live album um Uh, what's it called live from brixton right right yeah i have that yeah that one's good um but anyways i finished this faith no more book and i started reading a new book that um i'm not really a fan of the band but I bought it because of the title and I wanted to mention something out of it and I'll raise it again during history lesson part one. It's a book called Big Day Coming and it's written by a guy guy named Jesse Jarnow or Jarno and it's it's called Big Day Coming, Yola Tango and the Rise of Indie Rock. Okay. And it really follows really follows the band like as they started out before they were a band and follows them kind of through the years and uh but it also follows kind of the rise of indie rock and specifically in north america of course kind of through the 80s and 90s it's really well written mm-hmm. it's a really uh well done story of each of the members of the band and and for those i mean most people well maybe not most people but a lot of people probably know about yola tingo and uh, the band members, Ira Kaplan, of course, is uh, he's a bit of a rock critic too. Uh, Georgia Hubley, and then James McNew is probably their longest-standing bass player. But there's a lot of discussion in the book, you know, just about indie rock in general. And I don't know if you recall, well, you probably remember, um, I did that uh, blog post for the website, the Homestead on, one. Yeah, my my top ten releases on Homestead. It's awesome. This book. This book uh, discusses Homestead, Dutch East India, and Gerard uh, Kosloy a okay. lot as well. 
there's a lot of overlap because when Gerard left Boston, he ended up in uh, New York as well, uh, of course. And Yola Tingo's kind of a, a Hoboken band, um, so they crossed paths a fair amount. I'm I'm overgeneralizing, um, and I'm not being spe- as specific as I probably should be. But there's one cool thing in here that I wanted to mention at the outset in the spiel, which I thought you might like. Um, so you know how whenever we're lucky enough to have a, a vinyl copy for the show and a vinyl copy that has runout grooves on it. We usually, uh, we usually, uh, spiel those runout grooves for folks. Yep. There is uh, a note in here. Um, when they're talking about Gerard Cosloy for Dutch East India and Homestead, and it's about runout grooves. So check this out. I'm going to read, I'm read you an excerpt from this book. Lay it on me. Okay, it says, Gerard released the first Dinosaur LP and Sonic Youth's Bad Moon Rising. Homestead put out discs by New York Gloomsters Swans, post-Mission of Burma Boston Rockers, Volcano Suns, Kentucky Noise Precisionists, Squirrelbait, Australian Mainstays Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, and Seattle Ground Zero Outfit Green River. Cosloy and Marks, that's the other guy, um, were the label's only two employees and they dealt with the administrative and marketing duties. Gerard etched music critics' names into the runoff grooves of promotional LPs and checked the used record stores in Greenwich Village to see who was selling them back. <laughs> I, I thought that was, uh, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. <laughs> um. Anyways, there's one other quote I want to uh, to lay on folks from this book, but it's in History Lesson Part 1, so don't let me forget. Okay, I won't. And then my my second kind of spiel that I just thought of, and it's about this release, actually, though, ballot result. I don't know if you remember when you and I met. Do you remember when you and I met for the first time? Vaguely. So I'm pretty sure it was when I was working at a record store and you came in and you noticed I was wearing a shirt, an obscure shirt of a band that we both like. Does that ring a bell? Pigment Vehicle. Right. Yep. And it was back when I used to take the bus uh, to and from work, and it was near closing time, and um, you kind of like, oh, I'll, I'll give you a ride home. And you had some sort of like red car, little red car, like a Geo Metro <laughs> or something. Okay. Do you remember that? Like a little red car? No. No, maybe I'm making white that car. part. I had a little white car. Yes, yes, that's yep. what it was. What is it? Was it a Sprint or a Metro? It was. Uh, was is it a Suzuki Swift? Something. Yeah, like it was that. Suzuki Swift. That's yep. the same thing. That's yep. the same model as a Chev Sprint. Yeah. Geo Metro, Suzuki Swift. That you a, drove me. That home. was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. So you drove you drove me home, and as as you know, people do when they're meeting for the first time, kind of and hanging out for the first time. You had to come in and check out my record collection. Right. And you're flipping through my records, and you pulled out Black Flag, My War. Yep. I had, I had that on vinyl. But I also had this record, and it's the same one from back then, the same exact copy, Minutemen Ballot Result. And I remember you pulling it out and going, you're lucky to have this. <laughs> and the rest is history, right? <laughs> there you go. Yep. So with that, do you want to get into History Lesson Part 1? I do. History Lesson Part 1. Hey, Ryan. Yo. Spiel for the dudes. 
we've spoken about the Miniman a ton, and I, I really don't get tired about talking to them. I really don't get tired of listening to them. But just as a quick reminder for folks, some of the episodes that we have went through already on the podcast, if they want to go back and revisit them, kind of catch up to this one. Episode two was Paranoid Time. Four was the punchline. Fourteen, What Makes a Man Start Fires. Sixteen, Buzzer Howell. Twenty-eight, Double Nickels. Thirty-two, My First Bells. And anytime we mention My First Bells, we're also going to mention that we had uh, ultra super awesome guest Linda Kite on that episode. Yep. We had a few guests because uh, we had... Uh, oh, we had Watt we early had on, We had Watt too. on the second episode, and we had... Uh, the dude I just mentioned, Michael T. Fournier, on Double Nickels. Double Nickels, yeah. Because he, he wrote Everyone, the book. Yeah, Michael T. Fournier wrote the book on Double Nickels, truly. Yep. Yeah, we've had a few. Episode 34, Project Mersh. And then episode 58 was Three-Way Tie. And Three-Way Tie really starts off the story of Ballot Result, right? Yeah. Now... We'll, we'll get into uh, a bit of like how the ballot result double LP came about. As always, when we're talking about the Minutemen, we got to go and look at Craig Abera's book, A Wailing of a Town. And for those who have not picked that up, and even if you're not a big Minutemen fan, if you're a fan of like the era, the aesthetic, SST, any of those bands, Saccharin Trust, any bands like that, it's an excellent book. It's really well done. We come to a wailing of a town around the time of Three-Way Tie, and that's where the story of Ballot Result really kicks off. Now, I think on the Three-Way Tie episode, Brant, I read out kind of the the wording from the, the actual ballot insert from Three-Way three -way Tie from last. I believe Is that right? You, I believe you did, yeah. Okay, I think um, even though it's a bit duplicative, I think it makes sense to regale everyone with that um, insert. I, I would like to hear it again. Yeah. Now, first a quote from D. Boone about what the ballot result album was intended to be originally. Here's what D. Boone said. And again, this is uh, collected in A Wailing of a Town, Craig Abera's book. We're doing a triple album this summer. Three dudes doing six sides, three studio, three live. And we're passing out this ballot where our compatriots in music can vote on what songs to put on the live records. And here is the wording from the insert that would have came in uh, some of those early copies, I, I assume, of Three-Way Tie for Last. And they, and they handed them out at gigs as well. Yeah, exactly. Here we go. Quote, comrades in music, we can make democracy work, at least for ourselves, in today's mechanized society of clock punching, suburban slash urban commuting people of conditioned response. Quote, not all is lost. You can take history and the direction of the Minutemen into your own hands. The challenge has been put forth. In the summer of 86, the Minutemen are going to record a triple album titled Three Dudes, Six Sides, Three Studio, Three Live. You, comrade, will vote on 30 songs we have recorded in our productive past. That's right. You can choose the 30 songs you want to hear live. The deadline is April 1st, 1986, to mail in your ballot. 
one song, one vote, end quote. So that was, uh, that was the call out to the peeps, to the dudes and dudettes to send in a vote. And um, it was going to be three dudes, three sides, three studio, three live. That was the plan. And then, um, of course, we, we've been through this a couple of times on the shows. Uh, D. Boone was tragically killed in a, an automobile accident. And things drastically changed for the Minutemen, SST, and a lot of people. I was thinking, Brent, you know that the documentary, the, the Minutemen documentary, we, I know we we've mentioned it. Yeah, we jam Econo. Yep. I know we've mentioned it a couple of times on the podcast about how well done that is. There is that one scene in We Jam Econo where Ian Mackay holds up like a scrap of paper that Henry Rollins would have wrote and like written down on it about like D Boone passing and, and it's really small and he holds it up real close to the camera and it's a really somber moment. It's like a makes your hair stand up on your arms type moment in the film. Yeah. This was a huge deal when D Boone passed away, right? Yeah. Huge. Yeah. For sure. He was he he was uh like already in just a few years, he was like a bit of a legend too, right? Well, and a real pillar of the scene. I we've been fortunate enough to talk to a lot of people that were worked at SST or bands that that uh, were on the label and it doesn't always make the podcast but often when I'm talking to these guys off air either before or after we record his name always comes up it comes up a lot he touched a lot of lives for sure yeah no doubt I'm um and that actually gets to the quote that I want to read out of the Yola Tango book in a moment but I'm going to hit you with a couple more quotes out of A Wailing of a Town that sets the stage a little bit more for why, not just what the ballot call-out was for, but why D. Boone and the band sent out the ballot. There's a bit more info on that. Okay. So this is a just a couple of excerpts from a quote from Mike Watt in the book. And he says this, the record after three-way tie was going to be called Three Dudes, Six Sides, Three Studio, Three Live. We were going to make a triple album, and half of this motherfucker was going to be live so we could fight the Just a Minute Man bootleg. And that's why D. Boone put the ballot in three-way tie. We thought the best way to make a live record was to ask people what they want to hear and play those songs live at a gig and record them really well. That will beat any bootleg. So that was the impetus of the next Miniman record. And he goes on to say, and about fighting the bootleg guy. Now, do you know what that, that bootleg is? It's called Just a Minute Man. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, I have a little, little thing on that, but keep going. Okay. About fighting the bootleg guy with the live thing. And also, D. Boone loved the idea of extending the politics. Remember, D. Boone always wants to get politics into the music, right? Right. And not just slogans but how you put together the band. You make the guitar kind of trebly so the bass and drums are loud. That's a political idea. He wants it to be equal. Why not let people vote what's going to be on the next record? So D. Boone's way into that part also. He's way into it. Yeah. We were really reinvigorated for that triple album. We wanted to try and do it. Um, so we were going to have to do those songs again. They would then form the new stuff. I think we were going to regroup, retrench, and get back. Really, I think the Minutemen was going to do a rebound. 
I mean, it's easy to talk that way, but I'm being really serious about it. We were going to give it a good shot, man. And if you recall, when talking about three-way tie in episode 58, we noted how I think that, you know, there were members of the band, Mike Watt in particular, that was not a huge fan of that record. Yeah, and maybe D. Boone had, I don't know if checked out is the right word, but, you know, well, all Joe, bands go through ebbs and flows, right? And that's exactly what Watt is talking about here. And even like George had stopped writing songs, they were just kind of in a lull. And Mike, his quote here is really saying that after this triple album, he really thought that they were going to rebound and, and kind of do something really great. And well, here's the I, last I don't quote. doubt it, though, Ryan. Like, they they put it out there. They committed to it. <laughs> you know? They committed yeah. to, to, you know, three sides of vinyl. So, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> an, hour's, an hour's worth of new material. Well, I mean, I think the three sides... Like, they would have done three sides of new material with three sides of live greatest hits. Yeah. That's insane. It sounds like insane. he's saying in this quote that you just said that they did plan on recording shows instead yes. of using oh, yeah. in, instead of using existing recordings like they ended up doing. Yeah, it sounds like they were going to set it up for a show. They were going to basically pick a set list out of the ballot result. Yeah. And here's, uh, here's a final quote uh, that I found from this book about it. And it's from Mike Watt again. He says, when I was putting this together is when the Challenger space shuttle blew up January 28th, 1986. I put this out and he's talking about the ballot result, double LP, because ballots started coming in. Mm. D Boone's killed the week three-way tie comes out, but then ballots started coming into SST. So I thought, man, we can't let these people down. Let's put it out. Even though we can't record them, I'll find the live versions. Wow. That's, yeah, that's one of the thoughts I, I had while listening to this. I didn't know he started compiling it in January. So like, what, like, you know, three, four weeks after the accident, you know, it must've been really tough to go through those tapes. Oh yeah. yeah. That would have been a killer for sure. So here's one of the things I got. This is actually off the Wikipedia page, which was surprisingly detailed. Did you read that? I did not. I only read a actual physical book, sadly. <laughs> well, this is Wikipedia, so take it for that. But you mentioned that the story starts with three-way tie. They make a good point on here. On the Wikipedia page, it says the story actually starts with the tour spiel EP. They'd been given a tape of a live radio performance they had done in Tucson, four of which they used for that EP, the tour spiel EP. The engineer of that recording later claimed they hadn't asked his permission, so he bootlegged them with a release called Just a Minute Men. And uh, I looked it up. I don't have it. I bet you do. I have a, I have like a CDR that okay. I bought for 10 bucks at a record store 10 years ago or something. The, the, the vinyl that you can see on Discogs, which goes for about 100 bucks, by the way, median yeah. price, uh, has... This is clearly like he did this for his own ego. It says right on the cover, cover Jonathan presents <laughs> <laughs> the Incredible Minutemen live virgin vinyl show, 96 Rock KLPX. So the Tucson live to two track at Sound Factory Recording Studios, August 24th, 1984. It came out in 85. 
he promoted it in spin and flip side, and that's apparently what really pissed the Minutemen off, so they decided to, as they say, bootleg the bootleggers. As you said, they used the ballot of exist ballot to to go through existing live recordings, many of which were sent in by fans to compile the album. So yeah, that's what I found, Ryan. Hey, uh, I'm supposed to remind you to lay that Yola Tango thing on me. Do you have that handy? Oh yeah, okay. So here's one more spiel out of this Yola Tango book by Jesse Jarno. It's not really related to a ballot result, the the album, but it's related to D Boone. And as I said, you know, this is a tribute to D. And we were talking about what kind of a pillar and presence he was. So here's something that uh, the bass player for Yola Tango said, Jason McNew. And if you know, like I've seen Yola Tango a few times, they're always really good live. It's They're just not really my my wheelhouse in terms of bands, but I, I definitely respect them. Anyways, uh, Jason's a big dude. He's like a really big dude. And, or James, sorry. James is a big dude. James McNew. Um, I was reading reading this book and I came across this quote about the Minutemen, and it's from James. And he says this: He was going. At, he was he was starting get to get into indie rock and uh, punk and stuff like that in the mid '80s, and he started collecting seven inches. He was attending a lot of shows, and then he was at he went to that uh, that REM tour where the Minutemen opened. Right. And uh, it says it was fronted by the kinetic and rotund D. Boone. James, hardly a skinny teenager, was entranced. And here's the quote. There's a guy who looks like me. I'd never seen a guy who looks like me making music, James remembered. There he is, pagoing, and he doesn't give a, he doesn't give a fuck. I was, complete, I was completely self-conscious growing up as a weirdo in this conservative part of the country and... Look at that guy. Everything fell away at that moment. And I think D. Boone did that for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's a notion you hear often. And that's awesome. Yep. Yeah, well, that's a good time to go into History Lesson Part 2. History Lesson Part 2. All right, how do you want to do History Lesson Part 2? Where do you want to start? Well, you had a great idea. Let's go track by track, and if anybody doesn't have this, each song has a little spiel from George and from Watt, and you suggested we uh, we read those. Can, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Can I be Fireman Hurley? Fireman Hurley. <laughs> hey, you know what, though, Ryan? What? You know when you were telling me your story, story about when we first met earlier? I thought you uh-huh. were going to... So when I was in high school, I bought records vinyl and i bought cassette tapes and then what i consider to be pretty late in the game i started buying cds and i stopped really buying vinyl because i moved around a lot when i got out of high school and cds were kind of a novelty for me because a lot of people had already been buying them for a while and i hadn't so i had all i had to play cds on was a disc man and oh yeah uh, and i had (laughs) I had one of those adapters that you plug in into a cassette deck in your car. And yep. and I bought this CD pretty early on. <laughs> like early enough that I could carry all my CDs in an empty six pack, which I had <laughs> which I had them in in my car. <laughs> and I thought you were going to say I put this in the disc man as we were driving. No, that- no. 
Oh, I wish I could remember what you played. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. I wish I could remember. I definitely cannot. <laughs> but you're right. An empty six-pack was the exact perfect width for uh, CDs. Yeah. And so that is why, A, I didn't know until I researched for this pod that I'm missing some tracks. Again, common theme. There's like, <laughs> I think, seven tracks missing off the CD. Some of them are in the studio versions, but we'll get to that. Uh, but also the writing on this is really small, so I have my trusty magnifying glass here. Oh, man. You have your magnifying glass out there, Grandma? Yep, I'm ready. Okay, are we going to read through them now? Yeah. One second. And here. I'm what? I'm going to be what? You're going to be what? Okay. Let me just see here. It's really, really small writing. Okay, so George goes first every time. Okay. So I think that's right. Yeah, so that means you need to say the name of every song as you go. Okay. So we're on side one, right? Of the vinyl? I think track one, side one, is a good place to start, yes. <laughs> okay. Then I... The, <laughs> all tracks on side one are from a live broadcast, W-R-E-K, Atlanta, Georgia, November 30th, 1985. I'm going to let you read out the tracks, though, Ryan, because you have the vinyl, so I I, I might miss some because we're going to go off the oh, vinyl. Okay. Okay, I got you. All right, here we go. Little man with a gun in his hand. Ding, ding, ding. That one's on the CD. I'm going to do that every time, okay? <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, George. One of my favorites to play. From the Omega back to the Alpha, Chuck Dukowski gave me the lyrics, gave the lyrics to D. Boone at the end of our European tour with Black Flag in 1983. Was it for Mugger? question mark like he wrote it for the nake heist mm, or maybe he was thinking that mugger was the little man with a gun in his hand that would make more sense because this song would not work as a nake heist song nope no. nope all right next song political song for michael jackson to sing d boone crams words together in this without petition question mark I wrote the lyrics with Tommy in mind. Who's Tommy? I don't know. Could it be Tommy from The Who? Maybe. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, you know what? Oh, he said before. We've what did? Yeah, we've talked about that, I think, before. Could be wrong. I bet you I bet you have it in some notes. It's probably buried in the Dead Sea Scrolls here somewhere. Yeah, maybe. Let's move on. I felt like a gringo. Fun times in Mexico on the 4th. You know what that means, right? 4th of July. They had a party down in Mexico, and it made, um, them, made them feel like a gringo because they were celebrating in Mexico, <laughs> an American Maybe. holiday. Uh, let's see here. Here's what Watt says. One of my confused diary entries or something. This has the wrong songwriting credit. D. Boone on the Radio Tokyo tapes. Figures. Hmm. All right, what's next? Jesus and Tequila. I think Carducci was in love. <laughs> uh, I tried to write a bass line as if I was in Crazy Horse. Joe Carducci helped write the lyrics for that, hey? Yeah. Yep. What's next? Courage. D-O. You know what? I wrote a few notes on some of these songs that I forgot to, to reference here. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna take us back a few songs. What? Yep. The album starts with 
a D Boone spiel. I forgot to mention that. From stage, yeah. Yeah. He says, the last song we dedicate to the Gorbachevs and the Regans. We hope they sleep well tonight. <laughs> and the thing I really like is when he starts playing Little Man with a gun in his hand, he starts the riff and then he hits his toggle, stops and hits his toggle switch. Mm-hmm. Love that. Okay. What are we on now? Courage? Yeah, man. Okay. D Boone hits home with this one. After showing me several M puppet like tunes, D Boone played me this. I, in turn, put a like a virgin bass line to it. Okay. Uh, do you, and do you know what he's, do you know what he's talking about? Well, he, sh- uh, like the, the, the sequence in terms of the notes, the bass line, how it's similar in the song courage as it is to the song, like a virgin oh, yeah. by Madonna. Do, 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 there you do, go. Do, yeah. I can hear there that. There you go. Yeah. All right. Oh, here, I got a thing I wrote on this. It's another, um, D Boone spiel from the album. He literally calls it a spiel from the stage. He says, that one had a lot to do with problems going on in Nicaragua, El Salvador, and Guatemala. Any idea what song he might have been talking about that didn't make the album, but they had played before going into Courage on the original tape? Oh, man. I do. I can't. The name escapes me. Lay it on me. Well, I'm thinking it's off of Three-Way Tie. Well over there in Guatemala, my friend. Yeah. That one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. George, if you please. And then they kick into courage. Love it. King of the Hill. Video done in our town. George. We shouldn't have used punkers for campesinos in video. Is that right? Campesinos? What's that? Yeah, I don't know. But uh, now that I think of it, speaking of the Linda Kite episode... She talks about filming this video, I think. Oh, in yeah. In her interview. Yes, she does. Yes, she yeah. does. And the thing I picked out from this one is that D doesn't play his guitar during the pre-chorus. Like, maybe he couldn't. Hmm. I don't know. Couldn't play it. It's got a weird time signature, so they're, you know, maybe he couldn't play it and sing it at the same time, or maybe he just decided to do that. I doubt that. I don't know. Seeing the live footage of D Boone, he could, uh, he could shred while he sang pretty good. Yeah, true. Bermuda. Belt it out, Mike. All right, George. So I was a little horse for Kira, Mike. Now, you know who wrote this song, right? Rocky Erickson. Right. You know who turned me on to Rocky Erickson? Say it was me. It was you, man. Nice. What's uh, What's the record Gremlins um, have pictures? No, what is it? Yeah, that's, speaking of Odds and Sods albums, that is a uh, a collection of Odds and Sods, but it's a good one. But the, so, the the evil one is the famous, or or yeah. the, or the thirteen floor elevators. But the thing about this song Bermuda is, I don't understand why people cover it. I've got probably three covers of it, <laughs> and it's not. Rocky Erickson has so many more amazing songs in this one, for me. Yeah, when I saw Watt uh, a couple of years ago, I mean he played it live as well like it's uh i don't know I well i think of it more of as a minutemen song than a rocky erickson song but yeah that uh that record uh gremlins have pictures got me through uh second year arts and science exams man thank you it's a good one yep uh all right now we go to a different session yes uh we've 
we go to... Are we, are well, we still on side one? I think we're on side two because it's no one, right? The remix. Yeah, we're on side two. Okay, so we're... I, this is a I studio. Thought we were on side two. I thought we were on side two and then you, you made me second guess myself here. Yeah, so it's recorded in Radio Tokyo, November of 85, the song No One, the remix by Ethan James. Yeah. George says, souling with D. Boone going down Alligator Alley. Watch for Panthers. Now Mike says, Ethan plays synth as well as 16-track recorder on this. Thanks. It's obviously a remix. It It's uh, very remixed. It's got some like dub reggae tricks in it and stuff. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Me neither. I don't. I I kind of want to skip past this one. Everyone, every time it comes on this version, you know. Yeah. Uh, all right. And next one is from that same session as side one. W R E K, Atlanta, Georgia, in '85. Uh, Mister Robots, Holy Orders. My boss was an asshole, big shot, Bofus. Bofus? It's a question, I guess. It is a question. <laughs> yeah um okay here we go here comes mike from same show as first seven songs thanks john kincaid check material girl and slip it in embedded in my solo george wrote all george wrote all the lyrics here i helped him with all the farts during d boone's chicken chicken clucking i mean guitar plucking mike so this song is on the vinyl version, I think, which I don't have, of Double Nickels on a dime, on the Dime, right? Mr. Robot's Holy Orders? Yeah. No? I can't recall what record it's off of. But I, I don't think... It, like, are you suggesting that it was excluded off the CD version of Double Nickels? No, I'm saying this is a longer version than the studio version, if there is one. I might be confusing it with a different song. But this version's like seven minutes long because it's got a drum solo and a bass solo. Yeah, no, it's got a big, like, I don't know, free jazz breakdown for forever. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Robot's Holy Orders is on Double Nickels, LP2. Yeah. Verified. What? Shorter version, though. No drum solo. Oh, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> I love right, it when uh, I love it when Watt breaks into the slip it in bass line. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, what was I listening to that Watt is on? And I was just like, damn, that guy can shred sometimes. What was I listening to, though? Um, it was And it was from like 85, 86-ish. Hmm. Oh, I can't remember what it was. It might have been actually the first Dose EP I was listening to the other day. It, it, it just kind of came off up. on that, for sure. Yeah, it just it kind of uh, came up in order on my iPod on the train. And I was like, whoa. All right, The Price of Paradise from Three-Way Tie. Not on the CD. Yeah, I, I'm i curious to see because there are some, like, you know, studio cuts from the prior releases. I wonder if those are the ones that are on the LP only. Yeah. Lay it on me, George. I don't have it. It's not on the CD. Oh, my gosh. Am I George and Mike? I guess you have to be, yep. Okay, okay here comes George. Think this was a tribute to Jim. And Mike says, I begged D. Boone to somehow include meat puppets in the lyrics. He did. Look. Would that be his brother, Jim? D. Boone's brother? Uh, well, George is George is the one who references Jim. I think this was a tribute to Jim, so probably, hey? Maybe. Again, 
pretty sure Linda Jim, Kite mentions that in the interview, but I don't remember. Jim Boone. Well, the price of, price of paradise is like, well, three-way tie, a lot of it is about war, right? Mm-hmm. The whole record. So it might be Jim Boone, yeah. Yeah. Uh, next, song for El Salvador from the Punchline LP. Do I, you have this one? No, it's not on the CD. All right, here we go. George says, Tuffy. And Mike says, one title is worth a million lyrics. Okay. There you go. Now we go to side three, I guess. Record two, side one. Okay. Now it's a spin radio show from October of 85. This was actually released on a spin radio double LP, like a promo set, these okay. tracks. So it's a spin radio show taping. What, what is spin it, radio? Is That is associated with spin magazine, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, there are a number Husker of... Husker Du did one, I know that. Yeah, exactly. And there's even a Circle Jerks one. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. I think yeah. I have a bootleg so there, of it, actually. Yeah, so Spin, for some reason, I mean, I guess Spin spin used to be a lot cooler, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. The first track is Ack, Ack, Ack. Yeah, Drill em. That's George talking. Yep. yep. And Mike says, Our tribute to the urinals who helped change our lives, Mike. Now, interesting, Ack, Ack, Ack. I mean, it's a pretty repetitive, drilling song, right? Yep. It's interesting that George would say that, use the, like, use those words, drill them, because Wire was such a big influence on the Minutemen. And Wire, for a period of time in, like, the 80s, they had this thing, this vibe, where they would, like, do a part of their show or recordings called the drill oh. where it was ju- it was just a repetitive build don't they have an album right. called the drill or yeah song yeah there's wireman there's wire wire drill um there's a, a number of eps like that too I, as i recall um i doubt that's what george is getting at but that's uh i don't know it's a connection i made for the first time reading through this okay history lesson part two rem crew bombed us with corn dogs probably it, probably it, literally yeah like that'd be probably cool. heard them play this live a bunch and thought it was funny when because it is when d boone says we were fucking corn dogs and probably and just shock them yep yeah. uh mike says the fundamental answer to the Minutemen question it sure is my little note said uh it just it just makes the hair stand up when for me because this version is really good because it's a bit slower than the studio version and yep. and when d boone says me and mike watt just playing these guitars it must yeah. have just been like imagine seeing that live oh even you just saying it makes my hair stand up yeah all right next is hey Lottie mama not on the cd and Whoa. i think that this might be an exclusive track because isn't it live it is yep so here comes George. He says, Saccharin Pad on tour again, out of tune. I don't know what that means. So, then, oh, you know what? They recorded it probably at the Saccharin Trust practice space because I think there's another one on here from that session. Okay. Let's see. And then Mike says, Crane, helping on backup singing. We covered this for Carducci. D. Boone didn't realize this was a tour spiel until I told him the lyrics. Oh, tour spiel. Hmm. 
these okay. are these are really these are really sinking in for you, hey? Yeah. Well, on the back of Tourspiel, they do talk about some classic rock bands like BOC. Yeah. And I think they name checked them in the lyrics, but I don't think they talk about this band who I'm not allowed to talk about. You got mad at me for for <laughs> laying too much of a Steppenwolf spiel on on the podcast last time this one came up. So, but it is by Steppenwolf and uh whoa. Ease up on Steppenwolf talk. <laughs> Keep um, going. Oh, oh, Crane was what I was going to say. We've talked about him yeah. before. Oh yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's guested on some records that we've went through before, for sure. All right, what's next? This ain't no picnic. Fun song to play. Best don't cost money. George. Mike says. Also, our second video. D Boone wrote this for a racist boss who deserved it. I don't know if I've ever seen that video. I think I've seen it. I don't know. Mm, I don't know. I'll have to check that out and remind myself. Uh, next is the cheerleaders. Horns made it fun. Sounded best at anti-club. Mike says, that's Crane on trumpet and backup singing. Mersh concept was for Carducci. We've talked about that in the Project Mersh episode. Yeah, that's episode 34. And then the next song is Time. Another tricky one for Mike. Mike says, Richard Hell was my first punk rock hero. He replaced E. Bloom in my daydreams for personifying a rock dude. A huge change for me. And this this is a Dick Hell song. Yep. Member? Member Dick Hell? Member. It was off Uh, the, the second Voidoids album, Destiny Street, by the way. Yep. Those types of references are allowed. Okay. Okay. Um... Next set of cuts are from a KPFK session. Are we are we still on side? Because I, I don't have sides here. Are we still on side? Cut cut is on side three. So we're okay. still on side three. All right. Yeah. So side three continues on with a KPFK session. LA 1983. Live from Studio Z or Z if you're in the US. Okay. Uh, the song Cut. Meat Locker Rock, West Berlin. And Mike says, I wrote this for Greg Ginn out of love for his wild guitar, an anti-fascist tune from the heart. The country was built by complainers, wasn't it? West Berlin? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Next is Split Red. Dedicated to Richard Meltzer. Boy, am I! I am. I'm so really glad I picked George here. I, I must have subconsciously <laughs> known that Watts Watts things were going to be twice as long. Yeah, no surprise there. So Mike says, "Me and D Boone collaborated on the lyrics here, not the version on what makes a man start fires." However, again, for Richard Meltzer, BOC lyricist, and way more. Spot and Carducci, also thanks to Andrea Enthal, for both KPFK shows. And also Ed Raisin on the spin one, Mike. All right. Then we go to, this is the last song on side three. It's from the SST EP Buzzer Howl, SST 16. Dreams are free, motherfucker. Not on the CD. All right. So George says, try and believe this. And then Mike I'm, says. I'm doing a way better George than you are, I have to say. But <laughs> <laughs> You know how hard I have to try and, and and not do voices sometimes. Every every time I uh, 
every time I talk about Joe Strummer, I try to do my Joe Strummer voice, <laughs> but it's not it's not a good Joe Strummer voice. It's uh, it's Xander Schloss doing Joe Strummer voice, <laughs> um, like the guy guy from Circle Jerks yep. from the the documentary, how he does it, yep. Xander. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, George says, try and believe this. Mike says, not a real song, just an outtake from a warm-up jam. Title came way later, courtesy of Hank, whom I sincerely thank. Crane on recorder. There you go. Man, Crane is all over this slab yep. of wax. Nice work, Crane. Yeah. Side four. We're going to uh, Fullerton, California, 1981, the Casbah Studio, session for never released LP. So this was in 1981, so they had a unreleased album in 81. Inter- I guess. Interesting. I guess. Man, it would be sweet to get those sessions out there. Yeah. Um, the song is Shit You Hear at Parties. Hit it, George. There was a lot of that. Yeah, Mike says, mixed by Mike Patton. Lyrically, me and D. Boone collaborated here. One line each answering back to each other. We only did this once, but that one night produced five or six songs. This is from the only non-SST studio LP we never planned. And it says never planned. Hmm. Good thing it never materialized. So maybe there's not that many songs in the session. You'd think there would be more of them on here, hey? Yeah, if they existed. Yeah. All right, now we go to Wilmington, California, 1984, Jack Brewer's Garage. Right, so I bet this is the same, let's see, 1984, which is the one that you said was the Saccharin Trust Garage? Dude, Matt, dude, no, 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 like that one, that one is from the Spin Radio Sessions, LA, 85, this is Wilmington, California, 84, Jack Brewer's Garage. Just trying to connect some shit up here. All right, it says, it, this is off the soundtrack to Mark Mitchell's film, Hell. And the song is called Hell. Second take. Second take. Go, George. Junkie Meets Devil, played live to celluloid. And Mike says, our only try at movie soundtracking. Mark projected his film, Super 8, onto the shed wall as we jammed to it. No stops, handheld recorder, one mic. Deadly. All right, now we're going to go to Albuquerque. New Mexico, hey? Yep. 1985, recorded at the Indian Cultural Center, board cassette from Black Flag's Loose Nut Tour. Cool. Uh, First track is Tour Spiel. Okay. What do you mean, my stench? (laughs) Mike says here we are bare naked my only try at lead singer Kira played bass this town had the smallest park we'd ever seen the sun was soft warm orange and then the next track is take our test Crane good trumpeter so so backups oh man a diss to Crane yep dude uh, all respect to Crane. Anyways, Mike says, thanks to Brian Benjamin for these two tunes. 
Crane really is funny in this one. Carducci would say he sang like Bowie in his own band, Tragic Comedy. Hmm. Interesting. Now we go to Philadelphia. P- whoa, whoa. This, if, if you read this and you didn't know better, you would think Joe Carducci was in Tragic Comedy. Yeah, I think it's Crane though, right? Yeah. Yeah, but it's Carducci talking about Crane. Yeah. Is, Car- Car- is Carducci gets a mention in one of the lyrics too. I think it's on Split Red. He's, I think he says something like, Joe Carducci, spot, thanks for coming out. We love to have you here. <laughs> all right, now we're going to go to Philadelphia, all right? Okay. This is uh, 1983 at the Love Hall, an audience cassette from the Husker Du Minutemen Mini East Coast Tour. And it starts with the punchline. Played for a gay party in Wilmington? Yeah, that's what it says. Mike says, D. Boone was like a masthead plowing towards waves of young dudes. The whole site was overwhelming. All right. No doubt there. Next is Search. I believe this was our second ballot result pick, if I'm not mistaken. This was one you like. Search. Oh, I love Search. Love it. Yeah. Love it. I love, I just love how it starts with Joe on the, uh, on the symbols. Stu-do-do. Love that. Hit it, George. D. Boone with Mohawk going nuts in some lady's garden. (laughs) (laughs) That almost sounds like a haiku. I I like how George's, all of George's comments are inside jokes. Literally, they're all inside jokes. (laughs) Mike says, George gave me these lyrics and I gave it the best music I had at the time. All right. Cool. Let's say the next song uh, together. Bob! Dylan. Dylan. Wrote, wrote propaganda, propaganda songs. That sucked. Bob Dylan wrote <laughs> propaganda songs. Hit it, George. Big equipment ripoff in Long Beach. Sad time. That sounds like a... That sounds like a Donald Trump tweet. <laughs> <laughs> it should be capital S-A-D-T-I-M-E. Sad time. <laughs> This needs explaining. The title is an affirmation of my view of my tunes at that time. I was worried my tunes might be narrow. Then I turned to my proxy dad, Bobby Dylan, and felt better about it right away. Of course, I meant propaganda in the passionate sense. Hmm. He mentions that in We Jam Econo too. He yeah. says, like, look, we can do this. Yeah. We, can, we can write political stuff. And he's not trying to diss Bob Dylan. Not at all. You know. Not at all. Because Bob Dylan gets the biggest props ever in a Minutemen song. This is Mr. Narrator, this is Bob Dylan to me. Yep. Totally. Yeah, you know, some some days the Minutemen are Bob Dylan to me. There you go. Uh, San Pedro, California, 1980. Shed behind George's house on 17th Street. Practice cassette. Damn it. Not the Saccharin Trust garage. <laughs> Still not. Wait for it, though. Wait for it. Okay, this is badges. Okay, San Pedro got rowdy at KPFK. I love looking at you while we're doing this episode on, on the video Skype because <laughs> you look you you look like Sherlock Holmes <laughs> with your with your magnifying glass. <laughs> It's really small writing, man. Yeah. All right. Here we go. 
Mike says, only time D. Boone ever sang this. Greg Hurley, George's little brother, Stinky, helps at the end with yelling. I wrote this from an idea by D. Boone. He was watching Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Okay, so I have a few things to, to talk about here. So George's thing that says San Pedro got, got rowdy at KPFK. So I'm assuming he's referencing a radio broadcast they did where they invited some Pedro dudes and they got rowdy. So this, those spin radio sessions were recorded at KPFK that we referenced earlier. Oh, okay. And the other thing I wrote down was I googled badges. We don't need no stinking badges because I had no idea where that was from, and I hadn't it's read. Yeah, I hadn't read these liners. But yeah, it's it's from Treasure of Sierra Madre, 1948, which I I should have known. That's where the Minutemen got it from. Uh, but it's also in Blazing Saddles. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I definitely know that. So I thought maybe that's where they got it from. No. Obviously, Mel Brooks was was taking the piss out of Treasure on the Sierra Madre there. Yeah. Uh, next song, Tension. Shed Stoning Days. Yeah, and Mike says, only period where George played the drums this way and he had to scramble when we were recording the punchline. Martin Temburovich wrote the lyrics, first Minutemen song with lead guitar part. So this is early stuff, hey? Yep. Next... We go to Torrance, California, Wilson Park, an audience cassette from an outdoor gig, and the song is If Reagan Played Disco. You can definitely tell it's an audience cassette. It's pretty rough. Yeah. Okay, here's George. Cans flying at us in San Francisco. Mike says, Thanks to Kat Secchi for the tape. Radio Shack Concert Tape 30. Both me and D. Boone wore white shirts. See inside of Double Nickels. Oh, that's cool. Je LP jacket. So the picture yep. inside Double Nickels is from this gig. Can you believe I used a pick then? Sounds like it. All right. These are the the last two tracks from Madison, Wisconsin, 1985. The Mersha Live in 85 tour. An audience cassette of Encore. And the first song is No, No, No to Draft and War. Give me your ears. That's George, and Mike says, written by Central American band Sambia, whom D. Boone really liked. Me and George would get to rest during this, but not the crowd. And then the last song is Joe McCarthy's Ghost. Dedicated to Steve Nelson's birthday, then wedding. And this is, uh, these are the last words from Mike. Dedicated, sorry, hold on there. These are the last words from Mike. Me and D. Boone's exorcism right for these Top Gun times. Maybe it does take a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. Keep around a fire hose. I love you, D. Boone, forever. Now, they also, on the back of this jacket, they've got the actual ballot results, like in order. Yeah. First, I just wanted to say one more thing about uh, those last tracks we heard. I love that the tour was called the Mersh Alive 85. Tour. I've never heard that before. Yeah, I love that too. Yeah, you know what surprised me when I read this actual ballot result is I think I counted two songs on here that are off Double Nickels for such a famous album. When you when you consider that these were voted on by fans, you know. Yeah, like even badges is on here. 
Well, you know, it might have been something they played live and people yeah. really dug or something, you know? Like a lot of the people that voted on this were maybe voting on the live show. Yeah. You know? Yeah, potentially. And uh, it has a note here, Joy and Party With Me Punker were inadvertently omitted from the record story. They could have uh, they could have put those tracks on instead of the remix of No One for my money. Yeah. There's a massive, massive thank you list, and it's even smaller writing. I don't even know if I want to attempt to go through any of it, but it it's well, like... The first thing that like stands a, out for me is Ed from Ohio gets a thank. So yeah. either this... Well... This obviously was not updated later on. This is the original thank you list, so. Yeah, no, Ed's on the scene. Yep. 86, he is, uh, right, like Watt was there for the Evol sessions and the Chaconi Youth. He picked up the bass again. And uh, we're going to learn about Ed heading out to the coast and uh, bringing life back to Watt and Hurley on stage. Yeah, I'm just kind of... I'm not really reading this in order. I'm just, I've got my magnifying up glass up to it and I'm just seeing what I see. And we're seeing, I'm seeing a lot of names on here that we've heard before. Like, oh, this is like a who's who of people we've talked about for the previous 67 episodes. Yeah, exactly. Like they're all, it's, it's all the same people. Gary Floyd, Ray Farrell. And I mean, this is like his, or their, Watt and Hurley's kind of thanks the Minutemen are, are over. Thank you list. These are the people yeah. that, that helped the band, you know? Like Dirk, you know Dirk a, Vandenberg, too many reasons. You know? Yeah, there's a ton of, uh, like, kind of, um, I don't know, like, kind of little touching notes in there, right, to people. Yeah, all the bands that Watt always talks about. Wire, Wire. for giving us the idea. You know? Yeah, not just the idea, the idea. Yeah. Urinals, Did plugs, you... X, fear. Did you happen to see... Uh, one one call out to a band in here. They called out My Dog Popper. Oh, really? Yeah, right in the middle there, kind of. Hmm. Interesting. Not a band you hear hear too. I don't know if they toured too much. Maybe they hooked them up with a gig in Canada or something. I don't know. They have an album called 668 Neighbor of the Beast, which is one of my, my classics that I listen to at least once a year, even though I've heard it a thousand times. Yeah, I still have that. Anyone, everyone should check out My Dog Popper. Yep. Well, there's a few bands like that, right? Well. But that are kind of obscure. Like Frightwig and Scrawl would be, they're not very well known. Like you would never think that they're, you know, Minutemen final album thank you list worthy. Just like yeah. My Dog Popper. Yeah. I find that, I find that odd. Maybe they toured together. Like in Europe or something. I don't know. The Last, Nip Drivers, Salvation Army, John Doe. Bad Brains, Frank Taunch, all the DOAs, more Canadiana there. Yep. Uh, it's a great list. People should check it out. It's a long read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joe Biza for being Deal's, D's real life guitar foil. Yeah. Do you want to do the, oh, let's talk about the cover. Cause it's a, yeah, I love this cover. First, I definitely want to talk about the cover for sure. Cause I have a question for you. Okay. So first of all, it's ballot result and then in incredibly small writing double and then in quotation marks live album you got watt flying the flannel and apparently they're on the same beach as uh new day rising <laughs> yeah <laughs> it sure looks like it hey you got uh 
D Boone with the beard looking good and he's wearing like a bomber jacket. Love Georgie's big boy shirt. Oh yeah. It's the cover of the album. Yeah. What's your what's your question? So you right off the bat kinda you almost you almost scoop me there, but what is flying the flannel, right? Yep. Is that the flying is, is that the flying the flannel shirt? Is that what you were gonna ask me? No, no, it's this one's very close to the flying the flannel plaid design but it's not the same one this one's more red that one's more brown okay but do you think what like right around this time is when he starts to fly the flannel maybe i mean who knows when this picture was taken right yeah but that flannel looks pretty fresh it's not all shredded like most of his flannel that he usually wears well i'm thinking like before this he was rocking the fidel castro look quite a bit i think yeah so it might be it just might be so he acts the beard and he starts flying the flannel and goes all credence on us. Hey, love that. Do we have any dead wax, Ryan? Dude, I think we've got four. Oh, man, you're working there... hard this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right, here we go. Side one. You choose a hero's kingdom, dot, dot, dot. Side two, or a mean democracy. Hero's kingdom or a mean democracy. Here is side three. I choose the swinging, man. <laughs> hey, did you put up uh, Christmas lights this past Christmas? Yeah. How did that make you feel? <sighs> like I should be crucified with nails from my well-stocked garage, but I did it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wanted it to make you feel like a family man. <laughs> Side three, wax. You want focus? You want to focus. Sorry, it's not a question. It's a statement. It's, a, I think, a direction. You want to focus. There we go. Okay. Side four. Oh, man. You're going to love this. Side four is a question. And here it is. Bofus? <laughs> Oh, shit, man. You know what? Hold on. Hold the line. Okay, you ready? Yep. Bofus. Literally. I found it. From the glossary of Pedro speak. Oh, there you go. Yep. There you go. Hey, I got to lay uh, two more slabs of runout grooves on you. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Keep going. So hang, hang on. Hang. So um, I got you something. You got me something? Yeah. Okay. So I got you, I, I just, uh, I came across it in this bin at a record store. It's a, it's an SST promo 7-inch. It's uh, the Minuteman Courage promo 7-inch. Far and, out. Yeah, and it's got the runout grooves on it. I thought I'd read these to you because uh, these are awesome. Here Thanks, they go. Man. Whoa, wait a minute. Dead Wax on a promo? I don't know if we've seen that yet either. Well, I don't think we've really spoken a ton about the SST true. promo, promo stuff. We'll, uh, like, when we're done this series, we'll probably have to have, like, a promo episode, uh, a new, new Alliance Records episode, a whole bunch of other wrap-up episodes for about a year. Right. And then, uh, but anyways, I got this one for you. Um, and it says this on the runout grooves. I thought you'd like this. It says, hold on to this because someday, flip it over, 
This will be worth a million shekels. <laughs> well, I hope you didn't pay a million shekels for it, and thank you. Oh, no, man. It's the least I could do. All right. Do you want to do ballot result for the ballot result? Yep. Ballot result. One thing I forgot to mention about these songs that I wanted to, to say, Ryan, is I really like, this isn't my pick for ballot result, but I like on Take Our Test that they screw up. Yeah. And they just put it on the record. It's yeah. so it's so Minutemen. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. I actually thought, like, I can't tell you that I listen to this record a lot. I mean, I, I've had it for a long time. It's probably one of my least frequent listens for Minutemen. Probably one of my least frequent. Um, I don't ever remember noticing it just this time around. And I was like, I kind of thought that, uh, uh, I thought it was kind of cool that the Minutemen can screw up too. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I, I thought that was cool. I think that's probably why they put it on the record to make that yeah. statement, you know? Yeah. I thought that was cool. I, I doubt it's a mistake that it ended up on, on the record. Yeah, that's probably right. Okay. You should pick. It's all you, man. No, you, you pick. What's what, which one do you like? Uh, let me see here. Did we pick history lesson part two already? Yeah. I think that's what we put on for double nickels. Okay. And I think we did little man with a gun in his hand already. I think we did search already. Hmm. How about courage? It's better than the studio version for me. Hey, you know what? And that's the single I got you. It's courage, man. There you go. There you go. I would have also put, uh, Bob Dylan wrote propaganda songs because I've always liked that song. Yeah, and like I said, sometimes the men and men are Bob Dylan for me. Yeah. What's next week, Ryan? Well, it's actually a release we've mentioned a few times before, but we've never done a deep dive. It's uh, It was originally released on New Alliance. It's the compilation SST69 Chunks, which has basically uh, like some really amazing tunes on it. So looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all at MoJackPod. We post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is MoJackPod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content. If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email to mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.